rolling. All right. So I have acquaintance, but like brother, brother through another brother, uh, Gunnar Peterson. He is, from what I know of him, he is formerly Kevin Love's trainer. Uh, Kevin Love is currently his son's godfather, and he connected us. And I've been texting back and forth with Gunnar for, I mean, since I've been training Kev, like we've, we've had a couple of exchanges talking virtually nothing about training and just, just bullshitting back and forth. Uh, he's, he's a class act. The, the second I, I DM'd him, I said, hey, bro, you want to come on a podcast? And this guy is fucking busy. He is busy. He's, he's all over the place. He, he trains this celebrity, that celebrity. He's, he's with this protein. He's, he, you name it, the guy has done it, and he was nice enough and kind enough to donate his time to us and come on the podcast. And for that, we are eternally grateful. Bro, thank you so much for coming on the show. This was, it was my honor. It was my pleasure. I love that you're doing a podcast. It makes me think, God, I got to start a podcast now. Damn it. <laughs> hey, what is this? Kevin Love is currently my son's godfather. Do you know something? Is he like... Is he gonna? Is he gonna be traded? Like, how does that, <laughs> that? I thought that was a permanent gig. <laughs> My bad. Sorry about the phrasing on that. <laughs> so, so you've been doing this. How many years have you been training? Thirty. Thirty years. You've been 30 so. Years. And and how did you get into everything? Uh, I, so if you, depending on how far back you want to go, I, I was a fat kid. I started, you know, working out. My mom took me, well, first my mom took me to weight. I was always big in sports, but I was also like huge on hostess cupcakes and ding-dongs and that kind of stuff. Anytime I could get my hands on chocolate milk by the gallon right out of the fridge. Um, but, and my mom took me to Weight Watchers. So that was cool until I learned that I could cheat. And then, you know, so then <laughs> whatever, I mean, I did, I started it. It definitely, it definitely connected me to, to understanding that nutrition was more a part of this than I may have uh, be, been willing to acknowledge. And then in college, I got into working out. Um, I was always big into sports. I was just big into food too. So in college, I got into working out and, um, and it never stopped. And I was coming out of a gym one day in LA and a guy asked me if he could train with me and I thought he meant like workout, like workout partner. And um, then he asked me how much he said, what do you charge? And I went, wait, what? <laughs> Hang on. Let me get back. Let me get back to you on that. And um, uh, a friend said, you got to do it. And I said, but yeah, I, 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 you can do it. You'd be, you'd be, you'd be great. And so I started doing it like, before work and then after work and then i realized after a short period of time that it was more lucrative than the work um <laughs> i never looked back and it just became a thing and then after kind of phone not phoning it in that's not fair i was always with the i was always um committed when i was training the people but then i started looking at it and, and i make this distinction to this day more as a potential career than just a job and I thought, if I focused on this, if I really buckled down and got serious, I could crush this. And I started um, amassing certifications that no one has asked me about since, but that's fine because I did them for me. And I, and I still do them and I still keep them current. Uh, again, no one seems to care, but I do. And uh, I, don't think that, I don't think that having the certifications makes you a great trainer, but I think that it means you, you bother to amass a certain amount of information and regurgitate it on a test day. I don't think that not having a certification makes you a bad trainer, but 
I don't know why you wouldn't just get it if that's what the industry demands. Um, and, and I've just been doing it ever since. I've never looked back. I've really never looked back after the first year and a half or so. I go, I'm doing this. I'm going all in. So, so after a year and a half of part, what were you doing as your full-time work while you were part-time training? Uh, I was working at a talent agency in LA. So doing, doing what? Yeah, answering phones, you know, get, setting up appointments for actors and that kind of stuff. It was, it was interesting to learn the ins and outs of, of the entertainment business, you know, where the power is, where the, how things get done, super interesting. And then later on, as I started training more people, of course, you're in that town, you, you train people from the industry. So then you really saw, you know, what a producer does, what a casting director does, what a director does, what, what an exec producer. There are, all, you know, so many different tiers of, of, of power and of earning structure. And, and that was um, eye-opening in a different way. I felt like I really got a behind the scenes to it there that I, that I definitely didn't get in the talent agency. Interesting, interesting to find out. And then, and then the same you know, I'm sure you know you train people from different walks of life and you learn things that you didn't know that that guy or that woman uh, did that you just thought was a job and they're on the 16th floor of that building and they just kind of went in there every day and let it. And you go, wow, I didn't understand the intricacies of that or why they can't work out at this time or why, you know, if you do this job, how is it that you're available to train at one o'clock with me? I don't understand that, but you see that, that, all of them have their, you know, their loopholes, their, their perks. And so that's how I did it. So what, what were you looking to gain by being in that talent agency? What were you trying to be? Financially solvent. <laughs> <laughs> I went, I went, I went to Duke uh, and I graduated and then I moved uh, to New Orleans. Um, I had some friends there and, and, <clears throat> there for two years I had an ice business and it was something to do and it was interesting and I loved that town but I realized that at that age with cash in my pocket that probably wasn't the best place to be um, and so I moved to LA because because weather because workouts because people because who knows I was 25 24 whatever I was and um, I was there for a couple of years just jobs you know, in talent agency, production assistant work, anything I could do, worked as a PA on a, on a couple of sitcoms on a different world and on uh, my two dads. And I, you know, and then, um, and I was still working out nonstop. And then the guy asked me, so let me, let me give this a shot. It I just worked. Just look, it just, it just shows it's that, it's that uh, what hard work pays off. You know, if, if you decide to be, the Philo guy, right? I'm first in, I'm last out, whether it's in the gym, whether it's in the office, at some point, theoretically, that should pay off for you. And that's quite interesting too, because you've just transitioned now to being involved with the Lakers, but you also had a successful gym business too, right? And of course, these are two very different skills that are required to be a sort of a, a gym owner and then a head S&C coach at the Lakers. Yeah, so along the way, um, <clears throat> I started um, really focusing on the performance aspect. Uh, I, I wasn't getting a ton of bodybuilders coming to me to train. And initially when I got into it, you know, I was, I was motivated by Schwarzenegger, Stallone, the people you see growing up when I grew up that are on the big screen. You're like, that dude looks cool. I want to be like that. And I start working out and then you start 
devouring muscle and fitness and flex magazine and then men's health comes along and then you literally start reading everything from even the fitness articles in the back of cosmo and vanity fair there's like here's what these people are doing for their glutes i'm like i gotta read that and i was devouring everything and then i thought there's more to it than this and the people who are coming to me want to look a certain way they're not coming for just for just mass right they're coming for performance and body composition and who looks like that who trains like that athletes and how do the athletes train and i started going down that path and i was taking seminars i i went and man i took seminars from Vern gambetta juan carlos santana paul check mark Versteeg, and i literally would fly around the country anytime i had a, a free weekend and i could lock into a seminar and i would just again certification certification certifications and i was training people like athletes the 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 byproduct was they were getting the body they wanted, but the main thing was they moved better, they felt better, they were less likely to be injured in real life. Um, I got my CSCS from the NSCA, which ironically is required in the NBA to have as a strength coach. I worked with a ton of basketball guys for, you know, I wanted to be an SSC coach in like 97. I, I tried to get on with teams and it didn't happen. And then later on as i worked with a ton of nba guys i got an offer here and offer there but nothing concrete nothing solid nothing that moved the needle because i was doing too many other things and then when the laker job presented itself the time looked right i didn't have to relocate um i knew people in the front office it felt right and it was a good challenge for me can i instead of going the other way right from snc coach to to, to training in the private sector can i go from the private sector to conform and that's tough still but to, to follow that corporate path there there are different rules there it, the training itself uh assuming you're vetted you're okay that's gonna fly but there are different ways that you handle uh, corporate things like having meetings i'm, I'm like really meetings can i just train the dudes i don't and so i had to i had to adjust i had to i had to grow and become um, I wouldn't say better. I had, I had to develop new skill sets. So, you know, it's, you can't teach an old dog new tricks. Maybe, um, maybe you can teach them some tricks, but the basic ones, but it is hard for people to change. I mean, I've been autonomous since college, right? I've been my own dude from the get go. I haven't had a boss. Uh, you know, it's just, it's just been me. So going in somewhere. And I said that when I got there, as long as I'm allowed to do the training that I know how to do, that I know will yield the results that we're looking for, and I can and I can do that, great. The rest I'll figure out, and, and you know I'll always be respectful and polite, and, and I understand the chain of command, and I got that. So, yeah, that was a, that was a move. But I didn't I didn't stop my gym when I took the Lakers, right? I still have my gym, and I go there early morning and late at night, except on game nights. Yeah. <clears throat> That's fascinating. And also what's fascinating is that your gym only has two coaches, right? Is that still the case? Yeah, I'm there with one other guy and he is an absolute workhorse and a godsend. And, you know, it's like I, when he leaves, I'm like, drive safe. Uh, <laughs> here tomorrow, he's just, his name is Brad Siskind. Um, Brad Siskind is, I mean, the dude is, he's phenomenal. He's never lets anything get to him. It's, it's, um, he's funny. He rolls with it. He understands the the craziness um, 
of the of that job in the 90210 zip code, right? It's a different animal. And I'll tell you, I don't know about fitness, but I know a lot about fitness in the 90210. So um, this is a guy who he, he can definitely handle it. So how long while you were being a trainer did it take for you to open up your own gym? How, how was it back then? Were you going from gym to gym? Were you contracted by a gym? How, how did all that work? How did that come to fruition? I love that you say back then, like it was the fucking 1800s. And so <laughs> back then, and when the world was in black and white. Uh, <laughs> so I, uh, at first, I, I, was, I played cat and mouse in the gym where the guy asked me to train him because they had trainers and you knew they were trainers because they had like four-inch block letters that said personal trainer on the back of their shirt, which I, to this day, find funny because I don't know another job other than security that has that. You don't see a guy that says lawyer, right? You don't see a woman that says doctor. Like there, no one has these career, these vocational labels on them, which, you know, basketball player. Yeah, we got it. We got it. Um, so I, I did that there and, and it was like I would be trained. I trained him and then somebody else there, a friend of his, and uh, as staff or, you know, suspecting management people would come around, I would start to do a set of something to give the appearance that we were working out together. So it was a charade and I tried to make it work and I don't like living like that. That's not how I am. I'm way more transparent and straightforward. So, so that was rough. Um, and then I was uh, at a friend, uh, a, a chiropractor who was terrific and he referred some in-home people to me and I did that for a couple of years, a lot of in-home people. And, um, and I had a couple people down in Gold's Venice in that same era. And I would go down at four in the morning to Gold's Venice and train one person and then shoot up to the Palisades and train someone and then go to Santa Monica and train someone and then go back to Culver City. And, and I was bouncing all around and, and I thought I was becoming a psycho just living in my car with the cooler, with the yam and the chicken breast and the distilled water. And I go, I can't become this guy. And... I started looking at gyms. I did like a little radius thing around um, where I was living. And I stopped in every gym with a resume, which I was probably ahead of my time with a resume for trainers. You know, they're like, what is this? <laughs> and uh, interesting. Um, and uh, I finally found a gym and the guy said, yeah, if you want to train here, that's fine. This is what the cost is. This is what that is. And this is where you park. And I said, great. And on my drive home, he called me and said, I have someone who wants to train with you tomorrow if you're available. I go, I'm available. And I literally got there. And um, within a couple of weeks, I was crushing the hours on the referrals and people calling and people stopping in. And my thought was, I'd do my people early in the morning and then I'd get to him and I'd try to stay there the block of the day and then go home. And I, uh, you know, it was a schedule juggling thing. And then, um, Eight years into it, I was killing that there. I mean, I was literally 60, anywhere between 50 and 65 hours a week, one-on-one -on -one training, uh, as well as teaching spinning classes, which is a whole other podcast. Yeah, buddy. Um, yeah, get that visual out of your head. Um, and remember, spandex is a privilege, not a right. <laughs> and... Uh, at one point, the owner of the gym, who was terrific, but but was on his own path, um, 
he and I just had a we had a we had a difference of opinion, and he said at one point to me, I was complaining about something being broken and being broken for two weeks, and I said, I, I, come on, dude, I'm, I'm training all these people here. What are we doing? You got to you got to you got to keep this got to keep got to keep the place up to speed. I'm bringing in top tier people. What's going on? And he goes, if my gym is the third best gym in the city and not the first best gym, then I'm fine with that. And that just was like horrors. I can't, I, I can't, if, no, no. If I'm not the best, then, then I'm going to keep working to be the best. I'm not just going to go, I'm fine with the bronze, um, you know, and I left. And I started training out of my house and then I got the house next to my house and converted it and I trained there for a eight years and then uh, I got divorced and that went away. And then I went back to literally, hang on, this is the funny part. And then I went back to the in-homes, but they were all very well-known celebrities. And I saw five or six of them every day. And I had this weird little route through town. And after about six months of that, I thought, oh my God, I'm, back to what I was doing 15 years ago, I'm just doing it in a better car. And I, I thought, I can't, I can't do this. Uh, and I was looking kind of half-heartedly, but whatever for a gym. Um, and you know, there was an adjustment with the kids and being divorced and a lot of stuff going on. And, and then I, uh, and then I got another gym and I just said this. And, and at the time, uh, you know, I don't have an agent and all that, but I had a lady who was managing some of my, you know, business opportunities. I'm a terrible businessman. That's another story. But uh, she goes, I don't think you need a gym. And I go, I have to have a gym. She goes, I don't think so. You could, you could do this. You could do that. And I go, if I don't have a mothership, if I don't have like a lab, my own spot, then I'm always going to feel like a house guest somewhere. And I can't do that. I went through that at the last place. I got to have my own spot. And I locked in and I've had my gym now for 14 years. So I had one for nine and 14 that's where i am 22 23 years in at, at the gym owner thing and there's a huge difference too let's and i'm sure we'll all agree on this between being a gym owner and being a trainer yeah. you can be the best gym oh, yeah. owner in the world and suck as a trainer and you can be an unbelievable otherworldly gifted trainer and fail miserably as a gym owner uh-huh yep yeah ain't, ain't that the truth so what what kind of rates were you getting when you first started training Wow. Uh, I think, I think it was 30, maybe it was 20, maybe it was 25 an hour. And then I think I got 30 when I went to the guy's gym, but we had to pay him a fee and I don't remember what his fee was, but I do remember it was on a sliding scale that was flawed in my opinion, because if you trained between I'm going to make this up, but if you, if you train between five and 15 hours, you paid this. If you train between 15 and 22, you paid a little less. If you train between 22 and 30 hours, you paid a little less. And this, and so, but there were weird cutoffs where the guys who trained 22 could lie and say 20 and get the lower rate because times the number of hours it worked out less. And I just go, yeah, that's not fair. Why is that guy's paying less? And the whole thing, the whole thing was flawed. I mean, I understand he was trying to be um, rewarding to the guys who were working more. But when I was working the most and I was seeing some guys cut corners, uh, 
that rubbed me wrong. So you have your own gym and yep. this is, this is your second gym now? It is. It is. Did you expand or get smaller? Uh, so the first gym I kept adding on to the house that we bought next to the old house. Um, but I added on weird rooms, nothing creepy. Don't let your mind go there. But like, uh, <laughs> like you'd go through little doorways and there'd be another room that had like a, a, a power rack and, and they were, they were good sized rooms. You know, they were, they were still like six, 700 square foot rooms and they were still just me. And I was there with one other kid. Um, and then a, a room attached to that, but you had to keep going through doorways and doorways. So it was kind of like a fun house type thing, but, but they were all connected with, with the same sound system. And I, I did it right. It was a, it was a very cool space, but then when I got, and it was probably about 4,500 total square feet. The gym I have now is 5,000 square feet. Oh, wow. But, but the, but the gym floor itself is probably 3,800, but it's wide open. There, there are three columns in it, but it's, but it's wide open. Um, and again, still two people. So that goes a long way. And I am wall to wall equipment. I'm, I'm mm -hmm. a self-admitted hoarder. Um, I quit apologizing for that a long time ago. You know, a lot worse habits I could have. I don't steal. I don't do crack. I don't cheat. I don't do that. So I hoard gym equipment. Get over yourself. You know, I've, and I've given a lot away. I've done, I've donated to, uh, whoa, hey, that was unattractive. Um, I, I've given to boys and girls clubs. I've given to fire departments. I, I've donated. So I do, but I still, I hoard. I admit I hoard because I keep in my mind, I keep thinking I'm going to do another gym at some point and it's going to be bigger and I'm going to spread the stuff out. But Truth be told, I'll probably spread the stuff out and then get more stuff because I like the feeling, not of clutter, but I like to feel full and like I'm in like a gym equipment womb and I just love that feeling. So, so if, if you had it, how come you didn't decide to do the house atmosphere again? How come you decide to do like a brick and mortar, like actual gym, gym area? So right at the tail end of the first gym um, because it was in a residential area. It was getting a little tough. Like the city yeah. was kind of, kind of nipping at my heels and I didn't want to lie about what I did. And also, you know, it was being written about and there were paparazzi taking pictures. So it was, it was known. It was like, it was like the known thing that we're not talking about, but I would argue that what about the piano teacher who has one kid come to their house and, and they teach them piano every hour on the hour. Why is this different? What about the, what about the lady who has um, a tennis court at her house and people come and do that? You know, what about the lady who trains dogs at her house? Why? And, and they just, it was getting to where it would have ended badly. So I folded and pushed away. And I thought, again, I don't want to, I don't want to fight the unnecessary and the unwinnable fights, right? It's not, I'm going to lose that. These are the city's rules. I got to respect them. I, I still think in my heart, the reason I did it and the way I did it wasn't a, a problem. It didn't, I never created traffic jams. I wasn't selling any hard goods out of there. It was a service provided and, and whatever. So, so I, I decided to go, you know, more conventional and do a place in town. And, and Gunner, mate, I mean, you didn't move around a lot for work, if I'm not mistaken, right? You've always been in the same sort of location. 
Yeah, my, uh, yes, uh, always in, right in Beverly Hills, right in the heart of it. I personally um, moved around with clients. Like if, if, sure. if I, I worked with, um, I worked with boxers or tennis players or, or I'd go on a, on a movie set and, and, you know, I'd be gone for a month, two months, three. I think the longest I went was, was four months with a boxer. Um, but that was, you know, usually it was a movie and it was four, six, eight weeks. And that was probably once every 18 months kind of thing. Sure. And, and, and due to you always being in this one area, you have a huge density of people in LA. Are your client, are you always going through new people or do you keep your clientele for a very, very long time? I mean, over 30 years, I guess you've got some guys that you've worked with for over 10. So the answer to that is yes. Um, yes, new people come in because that's the way it works. Like you said, it's a very dense population. Word of mouth gets out. Um, and if you try to run a certain level of business in a town that, seeks that level right um we're in we're a natural fit for certain people we're, we're arguably paparazzi proof we're on the second floor we have off street parking with a gate there are no cameras so it's it's exactly what that demographic is looking for and i think should have um and at the same time we get some people that stay just for a long time we've had some clients for 20 years and and others for 15 and 12, 10, eight, like any of that to me, anything more than three, four years, that's, um, to me, that speaks well of, of the trainer and the training and the facility. Absolutely. And what's, what, what skills do you think that you hold that enable that to, you know, keep going, like to build up this great relationship with your clients? Well, I think we, I think, um, right. The world is a changing place. I'm not even talking about today's world, but, but especially LA, there's a lot of transients, a lot of things change. You know, you look at a place, one day it's a restaurant, then it's a shoe store. After that, it's a, it's a doggy daycare. And you're like, wait a minute, I, th I thought, and, and it's just literally things change a lot. Um, and I try to be the constant in that world of change. So the gym, feel, obviously the equipment changes here and there. Um, but the gym itself stays the same, the lighting, the temperature, the, the smell, uh, the volume of the music, the way I dress, the way I present myself, uh, the, way my, the way Brad, my other trainer, we try to be that one constant, that one thing that you can count on that's reliable, you know what you're gonna get. It's like, uh, it's, like, it's, like it's like the cheers, right, the bar. It's like, it's, you're, it's, we're the place that you know when you walk in, even if you've been gone for, a year, let's say you took a year off or you went, you did some other kind of fitness endeavor or you fell off or you worked. When you come back, you know the gym is gonna feel pretty much the same. I'm gonna remember if you like cold water or room temp, the towels are laid out a certain way and it's just something you can count on and there's, there's a degree of comfort and um, relief that, that people take in that. And I know that because they, they've told us, they go, I just love coming here. This place has the best energy. It's just like, I know when I get here, everything's going to be okay. And I go, yeah, that's, and that's what we try to provide. You, you, look, it's the restaurant analogy. I assume the food is good. You opened a restaurant, you invested your own money or somebody invested in you. I, I literally, I, I, if I get a bad meal in a restaurant, that's a serious fail. But it, other than the food, what separates you it's the overall experience and that starts with the parking how you're greeted when you walk in 
cleanliness of the restrooms, um, how fast the service is, how reasonable the price is. Is there that super awkward gap between when you ask for the check and when you get the check? Like little things like that add up in the overall training experience. And, and you have people who live at a certain level in LA and they're looking for, a, in my opinion, this is why some of the down and dirty gyms work, but they only work for a while. Um, and we treat people, we pride ourselves on trying to, to provide the highest level of service. If, if, if it's a hotel rating, we're five star and, and we're not going to be four star. And we want to be that and we want them to know that. And whether they've ever been to five star gym training before or not, they're going to know what it is. And then when they do step out and go somewhere else, they're going to remember the difference. And, you know, then that's what it comes down to. Mm-hmm. And and the training itself is obviously it's five star. The service is a certain way. The workout's going to be it's going to be challenging. It's going to be fun. It's going to be uh, specific. It's going to be planned out. And that's something I still to this day I'm shocked when trainers are just winging it. I was like, oh, let's do a couple of these. Uh, how about a how about a set of these? We'll throw and you're like, wait, what? <laughs> And, and we're not like that. Ours are all written out, mapped out. Obviously, we reserve the right to, to change them on the fly. It's a template, right? It's not the Bible. And, and we're going to interpret it as we see fit. But there's definitely a plan and a structure of how this workout's going to go. So with, with your personality and, and your need to make sure your, your gym was five stars and everything that you do about it was five, how did you make your house five stars? The, how did you the, the, the gym house up. yeah how did how did you how did you do that uh it started with the decor right like i made i made sure that i had an off-street parking and a gate so i i had a contractor rip that out so they could pull in and park there um when they came in you didn't walk there was no lobby right again i'm an equipment hoarder you walk in and like there's a cable machine next to you and there's a dip machine in front of you and that's just you walk in it's not like oh i'm in a house it looks like a house and you walk in and you go wow it's a gym um i gutted the whole second floor of the house except for an office and a, a bedroom up there um and the, so the rest of it had like 23 foot ceilings vaulted ceilings um i had jerseys the way you have them there i had them in the gym double stacked up so there was an energy. Somebody had a singer in there once, and she goes, this place has the best energy of any place in the city. And I was like, I, that's a huge compliment because that's what I go for. And the energy doesn't just come from loud music. I mean, that, that definitely adds to energy in a room, but, but the music to me has to be um, an addition to the workout. It can't be overbearing in the workout. That's just for me. And I think the people appreciate that over time, especially when two people in the room, you know, somebody likes one genre of music, somebody likes another genre. I don't need a problem over the music guys. Let's just, let's just, let's get the work done. Um, so the, the towel, again, towels and water, all that stuff is built in. If I owned an airline or, or if I owned a hotel, everything in the minibar would be free. The room would cost a little more. And I know there's going to be, that guy who emptied the mini bar into his bag every time he stays there. But I also know there are going to be people who are reasonable. There are going to be people, some people who don't touch it. So I'm not going to nickel and dime you. And the same on a plane, right? I'm not going to charge you for baggage. I'm not going to charge you for food, for drinks. But the cost of the ticket 
across the board is going to be more. The people who want that experience are going to fly with me and the others aren't, and that's fine too. So that's how I did the gym. I made sure everything was a certain way. Um, I tried to, to think about their wants and needs ahead of that. And, um, you know, I learned as I went. That's, that's a great philosophy, Gunnar. And I get the sense that your, your philosophy is not one of sort of competing with people around you in this sort of sense. Now, with your, like you said, like the price of the ticket is going to be higher. Were you looking around the place and like, okay, other celebrity trainers are doing this and I'm going to put myself just a little bit up but offer this other service? Or did you just say, this is what I think I'm worth, pay it. And if you don't, then that's good too. Yeah, I actually don't know what other, I, I've heard, I've heard a couple things that, that other people charge and, and I, I don't know, I've never confirmed it. I've never asked people what they charge. Um, I don't know, but I looked at it like it, it comes, it's that thing of you're not really paying for the hour. You're paying for my 10, 15, 20, 30 years experience. You're paying for the fact that the gym is immaculate you know i have a guy who comes in to clean 3 30 in the morning we wipe down everything and we have pre-covid we've done this for years we wipe down everything after every workout the bathrooms are always dialed right somebody leaves there it, it looks like you know a crime scene and we get in there and they're clean before the next person goes in so those are all the things that you know the behind the scenes things that people don't see you know, the, the washing of the towel, the, the, the towel disappearance rate is, I mean, it's, it's otherworldly. It's like David <laughs> can't make towels disappear this fast. It's unbelievable. It's unbelievable. But, but I don't charge that. I mean, the towels say gunner on them, so take them if you want. Somebody's going to see that, and who knows what that turns into. And if nothing else, you got a good towel. Um, so, so you have to you have to factor in cost of doing business stuff like that, and and all that comes in in the price. And we don't charge monthly memberships. We don't do package deals. That's just not you know. Somebody goes, well, if I do nine, is the tenth one free? I go, is this yogurt? No, no, that's not how we do it. I mean, <laughs> the tenth one's free if I don't have to be here. Like, but if I'm, you know, we're trading time for money. That's what it comes down to. You're trading. They're they're paying you for your expertise for your experience you're trying to navigate the, the gray areas of, of fitness and, and getting to a goal and hopefully I can get you there faster and hopefully I can get you there without an injury that you may have incurred on your own and I can also connect you to a million things I think that's another thing trainers um, may sell themselves short on can you you are a referral source. You're trusted. You become inner circle when you've had the same people for a long period of time. So they'll ask you about the basics. Obviously, they'll ask you about a nutritionist. They'll ask you about a chiropractor. They might ask you about a podiatrist. Uh, I've had people ask me about OBGYNs, pediatricians, um, roofers, car detailers, car salespeople, dog walkers. I mean, and I am, and what I'll always say is I can't get you into any clubs or restaurants because I'm not connected like that. But I have everything in the health and wellness world dialed. And then I try to expand my network to whatever degree. You want a squat rack for your home? I know the guys who make the best squat racks in, in the country and, and I'll make sure that they take care of you. I also don't, again, bad businessman, I don't take a cut on that when I get somebody to give you a deal. All I hope is that that comes back to me in that, A, if I ever need something from that service provider, I'll get a good deal as well. 
and that you'll always remember that something that you saw uh, for sale at you know $3,500 that you got it direct from the guy for $2,800 and you think I'm a great guy for connecting you to that and then you stay with me for longer. So that's the, that's the long-term vision of that. I'm not trying to make $200 when you buy an elliptical for your beach house. Yeah, sure, sure. And one of the key things you said there, and this is what we was talking about before we started recording, this trade of time and money. And I mean, of course, all like business people say this is the worst thing you can do and you want to do groups because you can scale and all of this kind of stuff, right? Obviously, it's a different perception and, and philosophy of what you've got. Now, I don't think, I don't think they're wrong. I, I, don't, I don't know... Look again, self-admitted, I'm not a great businessman. I don't know how to do that. I haven't mastered that. I still have things in the works now where, yeah, maybe it'll pan out, but I don't want to sell cookie cutter programming on the internet. I want to, sounds corny, I want to get to know you. No, I don't really, but I have to know enough about you that what you buy from me has value for you. I can't just say here's a program to lose 20 pounds how do i know if you can't do like if you can't jump rope then what do you do well you can regress it yeah i know but but i don't want to just say or do these three things i want to find a way to do it where it's individualized and it's real the people who are selling the cookie cutter ones if they're working for people then that's good for you if you're comfortable with it, that's good for you that's not good for me that's not that's not right for me for my brand for any of that stuff so, sure. so I'm, I'm missing out on some of that. I don't know how to scale. Maybe one day I'll learn. Maybe not. Sure. But, but my, my, my question is then is, has your sort of pricing continued to go up or is your business not on a, on a, on a sense of the typical American keep expanding, expanding? Style? So, um, so that's great. That's great. And, and I would say that's a sore spot, but it's not. And, and I like it. You know, my mom, um, my biggest supporter and my wife, my biggest supporter, my brother, biggest supporter. And they're like, raise your rates, raise your rates, raise your rates. I probably could, I probably should, but I feel like I know, I know where the ceiling is on that. I know, I know where that sweet spot is where, um, we don't look like we're gouging. We're not gouging. There's good value for your money spent. And I've set it up this is why my, my gym model may not work for a lot of trainers um, where the training is almost like a loss leader for us in that we have other corporate deals that I can do a weekend here or an appearance here or a seminar here and, and make up extra money that will, some of it obviously I'll save, but some of it will go back into bettering the gym as opposed to passing that cost on to the clientele. So if we're charging X and I can make, you know, X times 50 for going away for two days, I'll do that. And, and 50% of that will go back into the gym and that will serve as having shored up that gap and I know it's not exact and my dad and my brother are are tremendous business people um in the real business world and and they can do short math in their head wait I'm still like this guy like a trainer uh, and I know it's not exact but I know that it feels right and I know that it's working so far and I know that uh, as far as I I've heard you know that it's 
it's good good value perceived value for what they're spending and we're not raising we're not putting that note in the mail and anybody who does that that's great for them but again that's not our business model yeah i i had someone the other day um a, a, a buddy of mine they had asked what my rates were on instagram i was doing like you know ask me a question and they'd asked what my rates were and i said oh you know rates of the gym are anywhere between you know 120 a session to 200 dollars a session depending on what trainer you get whatever and my buddy said you got to raise your rates i said dude i'm not raising my fucking rates i said i'm not raising my rates well he goes listen what's the medium income of the area I said, okay, there, I, whatever it was. He says, yeah, you can, you can raise it to $300 a session. I said, bro, I'm not charging fucking people $300 a session in my area and where I am for personal training. I said, I, I, think, I think this, I think this, tell me, tell me what you think. And here's my response to that. Cause I have had that from a number of people, especially people who don't even know me. I have a guy now who tells me that. And I go, remind me again, what you're worth. Remind me again, how you built your business. Yeah. Shut up. That's the first answer. The second answer, right, the second answer is this. I think that the minute people pay an hourly fee that is anywhere close to what they pay their legal counsel or a doctor, at some point they're going to push back and go, whoa, whoa, whoa. I'm paying my trainer almost the same thing I'm paying my lawyer. I'm paying my trainer, which I go to the doctor. It doesn't cost that much because a doctor and I think they're going to resent you and I don't want to be that guy, but that's me. Some people are like, I don't care if they resent me. That's what I'm worth. And more power to you. I don't want to be that guy. I think that there's a ceiling in, in training. I think there's a ceiling in things and people might say, no, there's not. Uh, I had a kid I know who, who left my gym and opened his own gym and he charged, it was a private gym. And he was going to charge a hundred dollars more. I forget. I think he was going to charge at the time, like 300 an hour. And he was also going to charge, uh, and this is going back 15, 16 years. And he was going to charge a $10,000 one-time non-refundable fee. And I just thought, so the fuck's going to pay that. But it, so though, that was my thought. And he's like, they can afford it. I go, yeah, but it doesn't matter. They can afford it. That, that's not how you base your price structure, right? If you're selling steaks, you can't say the steak is, and that's another thing. They said, you got to charge the celebrities more. I go, no, you don't. They're, you have to charge everybody the same. God forbid there's a discussion in the parking lot. That's going to end badly for you. You can't own a restaurant. How much is the steak? The steak is $18. Oh, hang on. You're on a TV show. The steak is $30. You can't do that. You can't do that. It's, it's, it's not right and it's going to end bad for you. So you have to be constant. You have to be steady as she goes. You have to trust it and you have to be able to say it without getting squirrely. You, you can't do that. And I've, I've and by the way, PS, that kid, his gym failed three times and he's out of the business and moved. Uh, you know, I'm not saying good, but I'm saying you can't gouge people. If you do that, that, it ends badly. I've seen the end of that movie. It ends badly. Yeah. So, so you, you and, mentioned, and hold, hang on and go back. If you got into this business to make a killing, like to just crush it and I'm going to retire early and a beach house. I'm not thinking of buying a boat. If you're that guy, then you are as stupid as most people think trainers are anyway. <laughs> <laughs> 
this is not the business for that. Well, I can name, well, what about Jillian Michaels? What about Richard Simmons? What about Chuck Norris? Yeah, yeah, yeah. What about, I give you 10 more too. I can also tell you 4,000 other trainers who aren't that and they're doing good work and they're in a business where they're helping people. They feel good about themselves. You get to dress in pajamas practically every day. Like it's a good environment. You're arguably extending people's lives, your own life. This is not the business to get rich. You can, for sure you can. But if, 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 if that was your initial jump off into this business, then you're an idiot. And what's the idiot. thing that you enjoy most about it, Gunnar, from, for yourself? The interactions. I love the people. I love, I love the conversations. I love where it goes. I love, I love that we're moving the ball down the fitness field, but at the same time, we're, you're getting to know people. I think it, um, I think the world needs more. We're not texting during the workout. We're not on the phone during the workout. Like you're actually communicating. You're, 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 you're getting to know people. You're developing relationships. And I'll say, and I've said this before, don't mistake. They're not all your friends. Remember there's, it's a transactional relationship. They're paying you for something. You're providing something for sure, but you can meet some really special people. You can grow and learn and, and, and share things. And I don't know, I like that. And that's corny and that's granola and whatever, but too bad. That's real. Look, the fact that, um, some of the people look Kevin love, I meet I meet Kevin love through training and he's, I mean, I'm not telling you anything you don't know. He's a phenomenal, he's a great guy. He's a great person. He's fun to be around. Uh, the things, the experiences I've had outside of the gym because of knowing him, but that came from in the gym. I make this joke with my brother all the time. And I go, everything comes from the gym. Everything comes from the gym. The places we go, the people we know, the connections we have, the great things we see, all this comes because of the gym. The health that I have, the fact that I'm able to, do this physical activity from the gym, from the gym, trace it back. It comes to the gym, trace it back. It comes to the gym. At some point it all comes back to the gym. Yes. I'm exaggerating to make a point, but so much of it, the fact that I know you and I'm on this podcast came from Kevin Love, which came from the gym, comes from the gym. So that's cool. I don't think everybody else in the world goes, well, because of the office, I got to do like, yeah. maybe, maybe, but but for me, it's every day. Every interaction is is different. It's special. Something comes from it. I learn because it's all their lives that are out there, and they all come back into the gym. And then it's what I do with what I know from that, and how I share that. And it's just uh, it's constant growth. Gunnar, one of the things I really respected from one of your podcasts I heard before is how much focus you also have on your family. Now, one of the things I see with a lot of trainers is, and also successful people in general, is their family life sucks because they're just so focused on work, 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 work. How do you manage to sprinkle that flower too? I never sleep. Uh, <laughs> 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 uh, and that's such a, that's such a great, um, if you're a family person that you, you get it. I don't know. It, my family's everything. And, and that goes back. My parents are everything. I'm going to be crowning your podcast or I cut the shit out. Uh, we had one last week though. Don't worry about it. All right. My parents are everything. My parents are 82. Um, 
they're there i mean i call them all the time i speak to them we text i send them funny stuff uh, that is my family member call. that's my daughter calling me um <laughs> and I, I still i speak to my parents all the time my brother is my best friend he has been forever always will be and 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 then you, you get to closer now the ones i see more on a day-to-day my wife i have five kids and there's just nothing better with i mean every relationship every adventure everything they go through from you know my oldest son just graduated from college and you know he got a car and 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 you know going to get the car with him he had a car before but this was a little different this was go to the place and i told him if he got a certain gpa we'd get him a car and he wanted a Tesla and I'm like, really? I mean, <laughs> wait a really? I was, I was blown away and I go, you, you want to drive a laptop? I mean, all right. But and then I learned how cool that car is. And, and it's just like, I grew because I saw that and did that through his eyes. Right. Um, and then I don't know. You go through all these phases with them, so so you're open to it. So that that's such a give and take relationship. I'm I'm giving, but I'm taking so much from them. Uh, my little guy's four four years old, and and I did obstacle courses with him throughout the pandemic, and it was great. I have a seven month old, and and watching her just come to life and going from that boneless chicken breast stage where they just lie there, and you're like, how can there be that much? in your diaper like literally you've just dropped two weight classes this is not possible and now she's like sitting up and reacting and and i don't know that the kids are everything if you're not a kid person you're listening you're going to shut up talk about training but if you're a kid person and you get it they're, they're it's very cool people well, i have a dog it's like a kid like yeah try leaving a kid at home for five hours watch what happens it's not the same but i don't know you make the time you just make the time because it's what you want for sure. And I guess also it must be so nice for them to see their dad super happy and fulfilled in their work, right? I mean, it's a nice message that you're passing on to them. Well, it's funny. Again, uh, my brother, super successful business guy. Um, so I couch, and, and this is probably my own insecurity, a lot of times when something great happens for me, and whether it's, it's financially big or it's some other level big, whatever, and I say something to my kids, and even my mom, and I go, I mean, it's not like my brother's kind of success. And they all go, no, but it's cool. I go, eh. And there's a part of me that goes, yeah, but it's not like we're not retiring. Um, you know, we're not buying a beach house. But it, it doesn't matter. They, I think what you said is right. They see that dad's happy and they see that dad gets up and goes and kicks ass every day. And, you know, I don't take the sick days. I don't, I don't cancel stuff. I, you know, we have a little rule in our house, never late, never cancel, never quit. And, and. I think that as much as I drive that home, people, that's, unre- that's unreasonable. That's, you can't, that's not realistic. Yeah, I know that. Thank you. Um, so it's no sugar, right? <laughs> At some point, you're going to break. It just means that if you're aware of it, you're going to do all those things a lot less often. So I, I think that they see that, and, and that's good. Uh, I'm not delusional. I'm not, you know, I'm not um, – changing the world on on that grand scale level but if i'm happy and i'm doing good things then hopefully my kids take that and i'd I'd rather have them be financially okay and super happy than financially ridiculously successful and unhappy that's how 
I think as a parent, that's where I, that's where, that's the place from which I operate. For sure. For sure. Have you, you said that you have um, elderly kids like now was that college going through GPA? Is that you have college, but also a seven month year old. So you have a large scale between your kids. How's your, your parenting changed from, from the beginning to now? They're not in walkers or anything like that. Uh, my, my elderly kid, like, come in here. Oh, my bad. <laughs> uh, yeah, they, uh, I have uh, 22, uh, 21, um, 16, 4, and 7 months. So... It's quite the range. There's that oh, old rule, once you're out of diapers, don't go back into diapers. I go, look, dude, I'm going to be in diapers before everybody's out of diapers. Uh, <laughs> yeah, there's a range. How my parenting changed? I don't think my parenting's changed. Uh, honestly, I don't think I've changed, and, and that's not necessarily a good thing, right? Maybe I, maybe I haven't quite evolved as much. Are we, looking at, are we talking about how someone's evolved or how they've changed or how they've matured? We talked about this uh, before we started, right, the maturity thing. Um, I don't know that I've changed. I'm, I'm straightforward with them. I'm a straight shooter. Uh, I call them out on stuff. And if we have to go toe to toe, we do, but it always ends with, uh, there's a lot of, I love you's a lot of hugs. And, and they know that when there's an issue, call me and they know, call me 24 seven. They, there's never, I didn't want to call you and wake you up, dad. Well, okay. Don't worry about that. It's always, they just call. So I keep it open. I keep it straightforward, and and I am as connected to them as as anyone can be. Cool. So to to bring it back to the the gym, what is it like having only you and one other trainer? Has it always been one other trainer, and has it always been this guy? Obviously not. You mentioned someone that worked for you before that tried doing the other thing. Uh, do you do you routinely go through guys? How do you how do you select them? What's that process like for you? So it's me, one of the trainers, and then there's a girl who who uh, Kaylee who who helps us keep everything in check. I do my own scheduling, which people think that's crazy, and I go no 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 because I know the people, the personalities. I know where I can push, where I can't, where I have to pull back. So I still do that, and that's easy enough. Um, uh, it's always been one other guy because I want it to be that way. I've I've tried having two and we've done that here and there and it works for a while but say, I don't know it doesn't fit we it's a we got it we have a terrific flow in our gym um and no it has not always been Brad I think I've had seven that came through my at one point I think somebody said to me um God you seem to go through those guys a lot and I'm like I've had like six people leave in twenty in twenty two years owning a gym. Is that a high turnover rate? I mean, really? It doesn't doesn't seem like a lot. I mean, the the restaurant down the street has been like thirty servers there in the last month. So I don't know. I, I don't feel like it's a high turnover rate. Sometimes um, sometimes people come in and and they present themselves as they want to do this and you find out they want to do something else and it doesn't work out or sometimes they come in and they say they want to do this and then they start to think they can do something else so that doesn't necessarily work out and sometimes they come in and then they go hey i've got a great opportunity to do this and i say man that's great you should go crush that good luck and they go so they all have their own stories and you know all you can say is 
uh, good luck and I hope it works out for everybody. And it's, it's, it's harder than you think. The ones who go on to open gyms, you just say, Hey, remember, just like we talked about uh, before we started this, there's a huge difference between gym owners and trainers. And if I can wear both hats, anybody can for sure. But, but you got to make sure that you understand it's two very different jobs. So when they leave, I go, good luck, you know, whatever it is, what it is. Sorry, it didn't work out because I, you know, I go in thinking it's going to be the forever thing, and um, it isn't always. But usually, there's some great times in between. So let's focus on that stuff, and then good luck out there. I just keep going back to that. Yeah, I, I was talking to one of my guys today, and I'm not the easiest person in the world to deal with. You know, whether it's a relationship with with a girlfriend or a relationship with friends. I mean, I've I've cursed. Brooker's lived with me for a total of like six or seven months now, uh, total you know, in, in our friendship. And I, I can't imagine, I, I can't remember how many times I've cursed the guy out. Um, but it, one thing he said is that, well, you know, he was telling one of our interns that you want to survive here. Always do the right thing. As long as you do the right thing, you'll, you'll be just fine. And try not to fucking piss him off. Don't ask him a million questions. Make sure he's in a good mood before, before you ask him any questions. What would you say? What would you say is like a couple of the rules in order for things to go well with you at your gym, like what are your, what are your standards? Uh, don't lie. God, if you lie, it just kills me. I mean, it's it just like, it's just, it's that thing. Oh God, I don't have a, uh, uh, it's that thing with the piece of paper. You ever seen that when somebody, sh somebody showed me this once and I thought it was great. They said, they said, when you, when you have trust, it's like this. When you lie to me, it's like you go like this. And then later, I know you're gonna, I know you're gonna do this, but it's not quite the same, is it? So it's kind of always like this now. And it just hit me and I go, yeah, it's never quite the same. You, you shatter that trust and now I look at you and go, and you lie about something stupid or inconsequential or something that really didn't wouldn't have moved the needle for either of us uh that's a huge one we have a we have a great uh and this is this is a way of diffusing uh some of it We're, again the gym is super packed um and just like with kids everything has a place there's a place for everything so everything has a place and that handle was over there it was not over there and it was not hanging it was not hanging on the thing and the dumbbell numbers face a certain way why why does that matter i'll tell you why it matters because when you check into a five-star hotel the pillows on your bed are like that and if one of them were like that you'd go that's weird what's wrong who's been in my room why did my room look at that why didn't my room get put together you would notice it in a five-star hotel now you might check into a less than hotel and the pillows thrown on the floor and you wouldn't care and you're like I'm only paying 30 bucks for this room. It's that's fine by me. But here we try the dumbbells are a certain way and certain weights go on certain racks and the bumper plates go over here. And that's just the way it is. And it's, it's not just the way it is because I'm a weirdo. It's just the way it is because when we're seeing people back to back to back and you're training 10, 11, 12 people a day, and I'm training eight, nine, 10 people a day, things have to move. There has to be a flow and I can't turn and, and look for the big hip circle from Mark Bell and it's not there right now. And now I have to leave my 
person and say, excuse me, and then hunt around the gym for it because it could be anywhere now. It has to be right where it's supposed to be. So to get away from that, what we do, what we do in the gym, which is hilarious, is we take a picture of the thing that's in the wrong place and I'll send it to him and I'll go, how many sets left do you have, asshole? And I'll just, you know, are you done on this? It'll be, but I might send it at 11 o'clock at night or he might send it to me and, it, and it, it's a way of diffusing the anger and it's, it's hilarious. Between us, I know Jim Humor, you guys are idiots. Okay, yeah, I've heard it and you're not wrong, but it, it, keeps, the, it keeps the levity and it keeps us from unloading on each other. And it's just, um, so don't lie and put your stuff away. It comes down to that. Have you, have you ever had any blowouts with your guys? Um, I, I had one with a guy a few years ago and he was, he was super disrespectful when it comes down to like how he got where he was and how he got there and, and what I had done and, and, he uh he said something and i said he had done something that was not acceptable at all you can't ever lose face in in, in front of the people you're working with right you know that's just that's unprofessional it's not you, you know i don't want to see the two people behind the desk behind the concierge desk at a hotel arguing with each other i don't need to see that you guys can take that in the back room or wait till the clients are gone you know wait till the customers are gone uh, and and he had done something behind my back with a and i said you can't do that i go that looks terrible that looks bad for us. I go, that's bad for business. And he goes, business? You call this a business? This is a joke. And it was, and I thought, it's a joke, but you're, you're here because of this. You know these people because of me. You're in this city because of me. Like, I funded your move. I, I, I don't want to say I birthed you, but my God, man, no one in this city knew who you were. You are here because I vetted you. I validated you. I said, he's great. Go with him. And he was a good trainer and initially a good guy, but somewhere along the line, something changed. And he, and I don't know why he just lost respect for me. And he goes, business is a joke. And I thought, oh my God, we're in seventh grade on the football field. We're going to fight. <laughs> <laughs> You just stabbed me in the neck, bro. Um, no, and I, and I didn't because I caught myself and I thought if, if I say something or do something, this just goes south. And I said to him, I go, that's the most disrespectful thing you've ever said. You are so out of line. And he walked down to his office. 15 minutes later, clients were there. We went through the day. And within a short time, he... He moved out. I literally, I, I walked in my gym on a Monday in his office. He cleaned it out over the weekend. So whatever. Good luck. Again, good luck out there. Cool. No harm, no foul. Let it go. Move on. Got, you know, we, again, we didn't even talk about in the gym. We, we literally don't bring up anybody who was there before because you just say they're not here now. They're where they want to be and, and good for them. I hope it works out. It's a tough city to be a trainer and I know there are a lot of them but it's a tough city to be a trainer in. And it's a, it's an even tougher city to be a long time, long term, long tenure trainer. Yeah. Yeah. Have, have, so who's, who's your longest running client right now? Like who's obviously, I mean, K love is, he's godfather to your, your son. So you're, you're pretty close with him. Who's, who's your best relationship? Oh man. 
we have some great relationships. I have a guy who owns a bunch of uh, car dealerships who's he's been there eight years. Well, that's not that long. It's that's a long time, and it's six days a week, eight years. And he, <laughs> wow, and he works his ass off, and he is just and he'll come in early and ride the bike, or he'll stay a little bit. He's just a he's a great guy, works his ass off. Um, I've had a number of NBA. Obviously, when I joined the Lakers, I can't work with any other players um, from other teams. It's just whatever. It's tampering, or it could be tampering. So, so I stopped. But before that, I had some players that I'd had for seven, eight, nine years. Um, I've had some actors. I mean, everybody knows Sylvester Stallone has trained at the gym for it's twenty years now. I mean, it's. I got. I have a. He gave me a statue on my birthday once, and I think it says like "World's Greatest Genius of Anatomy," and it's like a power lifter. It's a giant bronze statue. It's one of my favorite things I have. So, yeah, I trained Jennifer Lopez 16 years. I mean, that was. It was. I was great. All those people. Any of those people I've come across out there that that I've been lucky enough to meet and work with. Um, you know. It's great. It's great that they trusted me. It's great that I was um, able to, to stay in their fold for that long. And, and I don't know, it, it, it's been every, it's, by the way, it's not like I'm stopping. Let's not act like this is a farewell. <laughs> <laughs> but those people, I, I, there, there's so many. We have just, we just have a lot of good people. Even the ones who come, who've been there two, three, four years, they're literally like family now. Mm-hmm. And, and again, I know, I know it's transactional. I'm not crossing myself up here. But they're there. We have, we're, you know, knock on wood, we're lucky. We've had a lot of people come four, five, six times a week and they just come on the regular. And that's great. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, it, what, what sucks about training athletes is once their career is over, you, you hear from them, but you don't see them again. Right. Like I'm, I'm, I'm dealing with the same thing with a couple of my guys and, and I am so close. And I was so close with, with a couple of my guys. I, I went to their weddings or I was in their weddings, you know, like I was a groomsman in their wedding. And one of them talked to me about being a godfather to their kid. But I mean, there's, there's conversations that we have to have with each other that just end up leading to fucking fistfights. Do you ever have anything like that? <laughs> no, no, no. I can't, get, I can't get that invested. No, 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 no. Although I have a guy now who... who um, he trained with me before. And then when I started with the Lakers, he wasn't training with me and he's sort of out of the league. Now he might go back in, but he's sort of out of the league and he's back in LA and he's training with me five, six days a week and he's crushing it. And he's, he's not signed on a team. So there's no infraction. And I mean, I could see if he stayed in LA and I could see him staying training for a long time. I mean, he works hard. He likes the training. He knows it keeps him in shape. Um, yeah, I, I, I mean, they, he might be he might be that that one exception, but he definitely is staying with it, and and it's great. Gunner, mate, do you obviously you've had such a, a a varied and vast career? Are you always sort of planning five years ahead, or do you have like sort of these big ideas and projects, or are you sort of day by day just in love with the moment or do you have any sort of direction uh, that you're going i wouldn't say i'm five years ahead but i definitely would say i'm i'm a couple years 
I've got thoughts and, and some projects. I have some projects that are like coming up now that we're working on. We keep, we keep stoking those fires. You have to keep a few irons in at all times. Um, cause you don't know what's going to happen. Um, you have to stay true to the day to day. What got you there? You know, you have to make sure that you stay on point with, with your core competency, right? You don't want to leave that. So, um, you read a lot, you take seminars, you watch videos, you even scrolling through Instagram, you can pick up great tidbits or a, a, a reference to a study that was done or um, a movement um, a what not to do, a nutritional tidbit that's worth introducing in a conversation with a client. Um, but I, but so I stay involved in the day to day. I'm excited by the day to day. I like the day to day. Uh, I have some other projects that are like, hopefully this turns out in August. Hopefully this thing pans out in November. Um, there's another, you know, bigger brewing thing that takes more planets aligning that, that might happen in three, four, five months. And then I look at how long do I want to do this? And do I always want to do it here? And would I consider relocating and would my wife be up for that and how would the kids feel and so I play with that idea because LA is um it's its own animal and if you spend any time there you know that it runs at a certain pace and and the city can can take a lot out of you I love it I've had great time there I've had incredible life experiences there couldn't couldn't and wouldn't trade it for anything um is there more? I don't know. Is there is there a way to is there a way to split time? Is there a way to change the pace up from time to time? We'll see. Cool. Right on. Well, Gunner, we've taken up enough of your time, bro. I appreciate you coming on so much. I really do. You're you're a fucking class act, uh, and and just I think you're the epitome of what we kind of need to be drifting towards. You know, guys that show up. They do the shit they're supposed to do and you consistently do the right thing by the people that you're training and the people that are surrounding you and understand that, you know, this is, this is our world and everything comes from our fucking world right here. Right. This is, this is who we are. I, I dude, it's a, I, it's a service industry and people, um, forget that or neglect yeah. that or turn a blind eye to it. And here, here's, here's the sentence. And if you've ever said this, I, I won't chastise you, but I want you to think about it. If these words have ever come out of your mouth and if they haven't great, let's not let them. When the trainer says I fired that person. And I said it like that because that's how they say it. They, I fired that person. And they punch that F like it's, and you're like, no, you didn't. Because you can't fire someone who hired you. Now, you can quit training them, but that makes you a quitter. And I'm not saying it's wrong to leave certain relationships if they're not working out, if they're toxic in nature. Look, everybody has their reasons for it, and you definitely don't have to put up with it. Again, it's the trading time for money. If it's, if it's not right for you, that's fine. But But don't twist it and empower yourself by saying you fired them. It is a service industry and you work for them, period. There's nothing wrong with that. That doesn't make you less than. That doesn't mean that as a person, you're not their equal. It means that in that moment, in that hour, 
you work for them. So come to terms with that. Again, it, it, you're not, that's the part, I don't work for them, I work for myself. No, you don't, no, 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 no you don't, no, you don't. Sorry, you work for them and you have to realize that that, when you go home, you're still, it's like anybody in the service business, right? It's like a waiter, it's like a, a bus driver, it's like a gardener, it's like a guy who cleans pools, or it's like a woman who walks dogs, any of those service businesses. But when you go home, you're still who you are in your household. You're still who you are to your parents, to your significant, significant other, to your kids, to your, you're still your own person. That's your job. It's not who you are, right? And, and you may always be the fitness guy or the fitness girl or whatever, but you're hired by people. So you, you can't, don't start getting on the power trip of who you fired. And, and I know a lot of trainers who said that and I go, no, 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 no. Or I don't have the conversation. I just log that. Okay. That's just to me, that's your own um, judgment of yourself and where you are on the life power food chain. And it really doesn't matter. None of that stuff matters because when you go home, are you a good person or are you an asshole? You know, whether you fired somebody or didn't fire somebody, you know, whether you quit training them or, or didn't quit training them, if you're an asshole, you're an asshole. And, and you should look at that before you look at the other. But if you're a good person, you're a good person. So try to try to run it back to that. Yeah, I, I, I tell people, people say to me like, oh, well, you know, you don't have a boss, you, you own a business. I said, every single one of my fucking clients is my boss. 100%. But you have to know. <laughs> but so when you butt heads with them, then you have to remember your own words. That's you arguing with your boss. Would you speak to your boss like that in a corporate setting? I don't know. Just as long as you can say, yeah, that's exactly how I would speak because I'd be honest and forthright, then great. But when you're disrespectful and you start, you know, barking and that, you're like, you can't do that. You can't do that in any job. That's your boss you're speaking to. Yep. Right on. Dude, again, thank you. We appreciate you. you. Can't thank wait you to for, release this one. Yeah, thank you so much, Gunnar. Nice to meet you, mate. All the best to you. You never told me where in Texas are you from? <laughs> where in Texas? <laughs> <laughs> Did you actually, you spent some time in Swiss, right? Did you grow up in Switzerland? Yeah, I, I was at a boarding school in Switzerland. I sure was, six years, yep. Okay, whereabouts? Because that's where I'm based, over in Swiss. I was in Lausanne. Okay, nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Loved it. Great time again, zero hardship, zero complaints. I, I can't ever go on a talk show and, and, and whine about my childhood. It was unbelievable and great parents. I mean, the whole thing, it was, it's been a great ride, right? Wait, am I dying? What am I trying? Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It, uh, yeah, it was terrific. So loved it there. Cool, man. Very yeah. nice. Thank, Thank you, Gunnar, mate. Uh, keep crushing it. And, um, I got to go to your website, get a freak strength t-shirt. That's sick. That's good stuff right there. I'll, I'll send you, I'll send you plenty of shit. Don't worry. I, I don't even think you could buy stuff on our website anymore. I don't even know what the hell's going on. I, I'm uh, just like you. I'm I, actually, I'm way worse than you. I'm a pretty shitty businessman. There's a lot of money that we missed out on. <laughs> a ton. And I see some people, and, and, but, but instead of going, how is that guy doing it? And I'm not, I go like this. Good for that guy. Good for <laughs> Good for her that she's able to do that. I have, there's another trainer. You'll love this. There's another trainer. Um, she'll go unnamed, female. Hugely successful. 
asked me if she could train somebody in my gym at one point for a project. Normally that's not a thing for me, but I know her and, and she's just, she's a force in the industry. And so she came through the gym and she's looking around and she goes, I don't even know how to work this stuff. I go, I'm, I can walk you through whatever. And she looks at me and she goes, you know, you're 10 times the trainer that I am. So that's a huge compliment, but I flipped it back and I go, well, you're 10 times the business person that I am. Subconsciously, I probably expected or hoped her to say, well, you're doing pretty good. You got her. And she looked at me and she goes, I'm a hundred times. No, no, close. She looked at me and she goes, I know. And she <laughs> and kept walking through my gym. And I was like, God, I put that on a T for her. But, but in fact, she's right. She's a way better business person. And she started with a compliment. And again, I tried to be gracious and flip it back and compliment her. And it just blew up right in my face. And <laughs> I could be mad about it, but I can't be mad about it because she's doing it a different way and she's killing the game and good for her. So that was pretty funny. So anyway, thank you guys very much. You made this easy. Keep killing the game out there. I love that you're doing a podcast. And now I got to do a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Hop on ours whenever the hell you want, bro. Yeah, please. Thank you, man. I'll talk to you guys. Thank you. Connor, Cheers, thank Connor. you, man.